Welcome to the Mind on My Money podcast presented by Pinnacle Trust. Hosted by RebelGrove.com publisher Neil McCrady and Pinnacle Trust financial guru Martin Palomo, the Mind on My Money podcast tackles the financial questions we're all thinking about. From paying for college to saving for retirement, from life insurance needs to 401ks and everything in between. The goal is to help you take the stress out of financial concerns and give you some tips to enjoy life while your mind is on your money. Now here are your hosts, Neil McCrady. And Martin Paloma. Welcome to another edition of Mind of My Money presented by Pinnacle Trust. I'm Neil McCready, Martin Paloma with me here as well. Be another uh, pretty short show today. Both of our schedules are kind of crazy. Uh, I screwed up this morning and uh, forgot a taping time and was t- tied up on a telephone call, so that's my fault. But uh, we'll, we'll get some information to you, stuff going on in uh, the stock market. Uh, people are using, Martin, the uh, hashtag stock market crash which is always scary when you see that trending on twitter but uh it is we'll talk about that we'll uh we'll talk about interest rates jumping up for the first time which might slow down some of the refinancing that's going on and then uh martin martin discovered ted lasso so we might talk about ted lasso (laughs) a little bit as well first uh i'll tell you real quick i'm coming from the clark ford studios i'll keep it short 662-257-1900 if you're in the market for a vehicle give Corey a call at least get a quote within 15 minutes in business hours. At the very least, it's going to help you moving forward with another dealer. No big deal. No, no skin off his back. At the most, it might get you back in. It might get you into a Clark Ford today. Uh, I'm in a Clark Ford, and I'm not sure that you could drag me to another uh, another vehicle at this point. 662-257-1900. And Martin, uh, give us the condensed version of, of why people should uh, get in touch with you guys at Pinnacle Trust. That's awesome. Um, people should get in touch with us because hashtag stock market crash is a little bit of fear pandemonium and people generally make really bad decisions when they're rooted in fear and pandemonium. So I'm just going to piggyback off of off of your the hashtag that's that is uh, trending on the Twitter world and wherever else it's tweeting or trending. But um, anyway, we uh, we don't make uh, you know fear based or emotional based decisions with our clients' money. And, um, you know, markets are kind of choppy. They're volatile. So if you're tired of doing it uh, or, you know, are too scared to pull the trigger on your own, give us a call, 601-957-0323. Or you can email us, info at pinntrust.com. Hit us on social media, either on Facebook, Pinnacle Trust, or the Mind on My Money page, and we we can circle up and get in contact with you. Anyway, I'll stop there, man. We'll keep it condensed, and we'll rock and roll. All right, let's talk about the stock market. Um, Obviously, I went and pulled up my E-Trade account this morning when I saw the trending hashtag and everything's in the red and people say it's been bleeding for a while. What's going on with the stock market? Yeah, well, so Neil, and I'm going to, this is not any, uh, you know, offense to, to you by any stretch of the imagination, but we really have to look at things bifurcated because when people say the stock market, there's so many different pieces of that, that that actually exist. So you could be talking about the Dow Jones type stocks, the S&P 500 type stocks, the NASDAQ type stocks, and they're, and they're all kind of a little bit different. NASDAQ is very much a tech heavy um, index. And a lot of people look at that. The NASDAQ is what killed it last year, you know, in, uh, in the, in the Rona trades. And I mean, in the other, the others did too, but NASDAQ, you know, the technology trades, were the huge winners last year. And, you know, now the market, you know, the economies were starting to hit this reopen phase 
and interest rates are rising, which generally are going to impact um, growth tech type companies a little more because they'll they'll use they'll use leverage um, or borrowing money to uh, you know to shore up balance sheets and to continue to grow. And then and just when that happens, you know, of course, of course, the cost of lending is going up. So therefore, analysts will say, hey. Um, if their cost of lending is going up, then their profitability is going to go down a little bit, which, you know, that makes sense. But if you're looking at a bank, um, and a lot of banks would fall into like the more value type stocks, uh, it's good for banks. Banks are doing well. So when we say the stock market, it's it's almost hard to to really say that, uh, you know, that, that, that it all acts together in the same way, because, you know, also outside of the U.S. reacts very different than U.S. stocks. So it's a pretty broad term that right now everything is not, you know, moving in the same direction. Um, you know, the, the NASDAQ was down pretty significantly this morning, uh, although it's, it's kind of turning slightly positive as we're recording, you know, right around 1030 AM on this Thursday morning uh, on March 4th. Uh, but, you know, one of the things that, that the S&P 500, just because of its constituents, you know, all of the companies that make up the S&P 500, have changed so dramatically over the last 20 years. You know, I mean, companies like ExxonMobil, the oil company, used to be a, you know, a really large um, component and percentage of the S&P 500. And today, the entire energy sector is like less than 3%. And the technology sector is, you know, a, a lot larger constituent. So it makes sense that the S&P 500 and the NASDAQ you know, would kind of sim move similar. NASDAQ is, uh, it moves a little more um, uh, in extremes, either up or down than the S&P. And then if you're talking about the Dow, the Dow is really 30 stocks and they're kind of big bellwether companies that, you know, pay dividends or, you know, most of them pay dividends and they would, con they would be considered more of the um, quote unquote value type stocks, which are actually doing well and will do well as, you know, we're early stage economic expansion and interest rates rising, they will do well. So I said all that to say, and this sounds kind of cheeky, and I don't mean for it to sound cheeky, but there's there's really not a, there's no such thing as a bad stock market. There's, you know, bad times to buy and there's bad times to sell. And I know that sounds really cheeky, but uh, but it's true, you know, and, and if you have a really diversified portfolio, then, uh, you know, like Neil, your, your 401k or your, or your retirement accounts, if it's really diversified, um, you've got a little bit of the, you know, the growth, those technology companies, you've got a little bit of those value companies, you've got a little bit of, you know, outside of the U S stocks, um, bonds are a conversation we can have those. It's kind of a, there's a, there's a really fine line. We're going to have to walk with bonds to be successful, even though they do have um, and they're important to the portfolio because they're kind of like, you know, the if, did you ever have when you go to your doctor's office or dentist when you were a kid, the huge fish, t fish tanks that used to be in doctor's offices? I don't sure. really see them much anymore. Yeah. So when I was a little kid, I'd always go look at the fish tanks. And, you know, you have like the flashy, shiny fish that are like moving all over the place. They're fun to watch and they would go up to the top and they go down and they would move all over the place. They're they're the sexy fish. Those are kind of like stocks. They move all over the place. But then there was that like super ugly flat fish that was suctioned to the side of the tank, right? And its whole job was 
it didn't do anything cool. It just ate the algae or sucked up the algae or, or whatever it did. You know what I'm talking about? You know, yes, I do. Like suction to the side of the tank. Well, without, those are like bonds. They're not fun to watch. Um, and they can crap the bed sometime too. But uh, without those suctiony fish thingies in the, in the fish tank, you know, the fish tank would get filled full of algae. So it's like, even though they're not sexy and fun to watch, they're an important part of the fish tank. So you got to have both. You got to have the flashy, sexy fish and the suction cup doesn't do anything fish. That's the stocks and the bonds. It creates balance and life and symmetry, um, if that makes sense. It totally makes sense. Um, Sweet. So you think this is sort of temporary, everything's fine. Still the long-term advice to people is just ride it out, chill, don't don't look at it, just get on. Yeah, go my read, long-term go read, advice go read to a people book. actually is – is um is lean oh i can't believe i'm going to say this is lean a little bit more in the stocks i know it doesn't feel right but the long term and get a diversified basket of stocks you know don't just go buy you know the tech companies or you know the hot healthcare tech companies or biotech companies it's boring it's not as sexy but it's the right long term play is to have a diversified basket of stocks and lean more heavily into them right now than into bonds. Reason being, uh, you remember like the seesaw when you were a little kid? One kid goes up, one kid goes down. Or of course. Totter, of course. Where, where, where sure. From. So um, that's how bond, the, the direction of interest rates and the prices of bonds, for the most part, we're going to just, I'm going to say for the most part, we won't dig into, the, into the, the exceptions. For the most part, if interest rates are rising, the prices of bonds are going to fall. They're going down. So we are on a path of rising interest rates, meaning you are going to have downward pressure and price on your bond prices. So, you know, if someone came to me today and said, hey, um, I've got a little bit of cash and I need to put it to work somewhere. I've got a portfolio. Would you buy some stocks or would you buy bonds? I would say buy stocks, get a diversified, you know, basket of stocks that have the large, you know, get some large stocks, get some small ones. The small ones are going to be where the long, you know, opportunity is. But, you know, don't load the boat. Don't overload yourself on the small ones because they they are also, you know, very volatile and they flux, the price fluctuates a lot. And then, you know, get outside of the U.S. Make sure you have some, you know, emerging markets um, funds or an index or however it is that you access it. Make sure you have some of those in the portfolio because that's going to be where your long-term growth is. Uh, and then, you know, some not some developed non-U.S., you know, your big non-U.S. Uh, areas, Japan, uh, you know, Western Europe, Australia. And if you get a fund, you can get diversification. And I know that sounds boring, but that's, you know, for for having success, sometimes not blowing the thing up is is the best way to succeed. And we have hedges and stuff in place on our side. I'm not even going to dive into that with, you know, with our average listener, because if you do it wrong, it can jack you up. Um, and, and I don't even, I don't even want to go down that route. We do it, but we know what we're doing too. Um, you know, putting the hedges in and, and taking them out. But, uh, that's kind of, I wouldn't want to give that weapon to, uh, to any of our listeners and they hurt themselves with it. Yeah, you can get there's some bargain deals right now. I mean, you can you can get on the you can kind of go to the sales rack a little bit uh, when, when the when everything's red. 
Yeah, even absolutely. really, even really absolutely. good stocks, the prices go down, and you can you can buy low. Yeah, I mean, and look, if and if you're long term, you know, excited about a company like, you know, let's just say Tesla is the company that you are really excited about, right? I don't think Tesla's going anywhere. They've been bludgeoned a little bit, you know, since the beginning of the year. Um, but if you if you can say, hey, I love Tesla and I love Elon Musk and you know he is super innovative and he's going to continue to make money as he stays you know stays around. Buy those for the long term. Don't trade it. Buy it and hold on to it. The trading it piece is the hard part, man. I mean, and that's kind of, that's where the casino effect comes in, Neil. And I know I'm preaching to the choir for you on that, but when you're trying to trade something and you know make profits from the you know, daily or weekly up and down swings, man, those are so hard to call. But just like, you know, one of my really, 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 really close people who I won't say their name, you know, back in February, March last year, you know, they were like, hey, uh, I really don't know what I'm doing, but, you know, it seems like the markets are in the toilet. You know, I've got a little bit of cash. Is it a good time to buy. And I was like, well, yeah, absolutely. It's hard to do. And, and I said, uh, and they were like, well, I'd really like to own a couple of individual, you know, names. And I was like, okay, well, what are some companies that you really like where you spend your money and you think are going to stay around? And, you know, Delta Airlines was one of them. And so they bought Delta Airlines when it was like, you know, $27 a share and they hung on to it. They are, and they're going to hang on to it. So they made money. They're not trying to trade it. Um, you know, they bought some of the oil companies um, you know, Chevron and ConocoPhillips. And, you know, now oil is, is up to almost $65 a barrel. We're filling it at the gas pump, but that's good for the oil industry, which, and also for, you know, our local economy in Mississippi, the success of the energy patch is really good for our local economy. You know, we have guys that make really good money in the oil field. And when oil was trading at $29 a barrel, you know, they weren't working. They were laid off because they weren't getting oil out of the ground at 30 bucks a barrel. You're losing money. So, you know, there are, sometimes you get those opportunities, man. And, and if people can be disciplined and hold on, then yeah, it's a good time to, to buy. But if people are trying to trade it, man, sometimes you can get caught in the whipsaw and then you get emotionally invested and it, you know, and then it all goes to hell in a handbasket. Um, interest rates went up over 3% for the first time in a long time today. You'll know more details than I do. I just saw this. I saw the headline that, Hey, this is very likely to slow down the, the rush of, uh, of refis, re- refinancing that, that people have been doing. I know that, uh, Laura and I had actually, the interest rates had gotten to a point where Laura and I talked about refinancing to a 15 year note and we didn't do it yeah. because ultimately it was like, well, we'll just double up your payment. Yeah, we'll we'll same, make we'll make a couple patch. extra payments here and there and but not be committed yep. to it where if cash gets tight, we're we're struggling. So, uh what yep. what will this impact be? You know, I mean, well, let me let's preface all of this with saying we have been in a very abnormal environment for a little while. Like you know, mortgage rates at even mortgage rates at 3%. So, Neil, let's let's just go back to 2000, let's go back, let's go back 10 years to 2000. Yeah, maybe that's a bad one. Let's go back 12 years and to like 2008, 2009. If I would have told you, Hey, Neil, I'm going to give you a mortgage and your interest rate is going to be 3%. You wouldn't have not even skipped a beat. You'd have been like, give it to me right now. Cause I know we bought a house in 2007 and we had, 
you know, reasonably good credit at the time. And our interest rate was still like six and a half percent. And that was normal. Um, so, you know, this low rate environment that we've been in is is not normal. And we're kind of having this return to normal is, is happening. And so, you know, the days of the three percent, the four percent, they will be gone at some point. We will be back to a level of where, you know, and, and hopefully it stays in like the five percent ish range. That's really, really I think I think that's healthy. Um, you know, for banks, banks can make money, um, but it doesn't m- completely murder you on, you know, on your on your mortgage. But then also what it's going to do is it's going to kind of cool off this crazy real estate market that we've had. And I- I'm sure you guys have had it in Oxford as well as like in Jackson. You know, if you have a house that's under, you know, $300,000, it didn't stay on the market. I mean, because people are snatching it up and, um you know, I don't, and and I think that, I think that we've had these huge run-ups in real estate price and real estate costs, and I'm not calling it a bubble by any stretch of the imagination, but it's just not normal. Um, you know, it's not, it's not a normal environment, and we will return to normal, and that sucks for people who are borrowing monies, but you know, for banks who employ people and then also you know put more money back in the economy because you know they're lending to small businesses, they're lending to other places, they can actually turn a little bit more of profits. And I'm not talking about, you know, your JP Morgan big banks. I'm talking about your, you know, your small community banks or your local banks, um, you know, not not necessarily the big guys. So I think there's a, there is a, a level where it's healthy for everyone. And I, that's where I like the world to exist, where, you know, where, where everyone gets to, to eat from the trough versus, you know, the extremes of either side where, interest rates are so high that you can't even afford a home or interest rates are so low that you have this explosion and boom of, you know, of, of housing and home prices going up to levels that are really unrealistic. And what kind of sucks, Neil, is, you know, think about people who are buying right now. Let's say you're buying a, you know, a 2,500 square foot house and you paid, you know, I'm just going to make easy, easy math. You know, you paid $200 a square foot, which is insane. So you bought a five hundred thousand dollar house, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so when it's crazy, when, but when yeah. interest rates come go up and it cools off the housing market, the demand for housing is not going to be there. So you will never be able to sell that house at five hundred thousand dollars, right? It'll probably come down to you know, let's say it's one seventy five or one fifty a square foot. So some people are going to have made purchases that they're going to realize, hey, I'm locked into this thing for a long time because, you know, the housing prices were, the demand was so high and housing prices were elevated above what they probably should have been. To use a car analogy, you'd, you'd be upside down in your car. Yeah. Well, a hundred percent, man, you're upside down in your house in negative equity. And man, that happens, you know, I mean, hell it happened to us in 2007. So anyway, I digress, but that's true. I mean, yeah, that's a great analogy. The being upside down on a car. And unfortunately, that's what will happen to some folks, you know, as interest rates start to rise, the demand falls off for housing. Therefore, the prices fall off for housing. But most people don't, you know, every month or every quarter, people get their statement from their banks and from their investment accounts. It tells you what your investment accounts are worth. But you don't get a statement every month, you know, on what is your house worth. You get a statement on what you owe. But, you know, you're not getting a, you know, a statement to for, hey, you know, your house was worth $500,000 this month, but 
man, housing prices went down 10%. So next month, your house is only worth, you know, 450,000 bucks. People don't care about the price of their house until they go to sell it. So, you know, so there's never a, uh, a need to have a valuation done each month. But some people will be surprised when, you know, they may say four years, five years from now, hey, you know, let's, let's move to a different place. And then they try to put their house on the market and it's worth a lot less than what they paid for. All right. That's sobering enough, Martin. Damn it. It's time to uh, move. It's time <laughs> to move to a lighter. Let's Can t- we be overly optimistic now? Let's, let's be Ted Lasso for a minute, who Ted is Lasso. the most, opti- most optimistic character I've ever heard. I, I went into that series skeptical. I finished it in tears. I loved it so much. Um, I was so excited to hear about a season two. I, yep. can't, I can't wait to see what's next for Ted Lasso and, and all of the characters. They did a wonderful job developing the characters. Hell yeah, they did. Um, it, it, it was, it's, it's funny. It, we won't, I won't belabor this point. I will sometimes fight people, including someone in my very own house, who tells me that the office is, is uh, an empty suit. And I'm like, no, no, no. No, you, 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 you're not watching closely enough. The, the office, the beauty of the office is that over, what was it, nine seasons? Mm-hmm. The, the beauty of the office is that they developed so many characters where on that final show, you were so happy to know that Angela was going to be okay, that Andy was going to be okay, that Phyllis was okay, that... that uh, Jim and Pam were, were going to go to, spoiler alert, going to, to Austin so that Jim could chase his career, and they were in this great place. And you were so happy to, to, to know Dwight was okay and to get the, the Michael Scott to come back and go, oh, look, he's so happy. He's got two phones. He's so happy with his, all the pictures of his family. There were so many moments in that like finale that tied it up where had they not done an incredible job for nine seasons of developing these characters and the nuance and things with these characters, that show would have been kind of silly. It would have been like, eh, whatever. Instead, I mean, most people, if, if we're honest, when you if you if you love The Office and you followed it all the way, when they get to the end, eh, not many dry eyes in the living room when that that show comes to a to a conclusion. And Ted Lasso was that way. They they did such a good job, not only with Ted's character. But with so many other characters that it just sucked you in. Yep. Man, and, and it's funny, you know, I look at our office and and I I have identified so many of the characters in our office too. Um, like I have a coach beard. And it's funny because and, and I am a total I'm totally Ted, man, with my you know, with my overly optimistic outlook and and kind of uh, you know, subtle but uh almost in your face Hey, I'm going to get you to do this my way <laughs> type type deal. And it's funny. We laugh. We laugh at it. And I say some of the some of the stupid things that that Ted says too. and 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 Reed, who is who really is, you know, my coach beard. When he watched it, he was like, dude, they wrote this. This show is based off of your personality. <laughs> and uh, I don't know that I have the leadership, the total leadership skills and the wisdom that that Ted has, man, but they masterfully crafted that show. And, um, I mean, I think anyone who owns a business or is, in, or, or, uh, interested at all in leadership, man, that, that show probably is, is probably the best show I've ever seen on leadership it is phenomenal. 
you know, at, when they first started it, some of the leadership stuff, I thought, what are, where are they going with this? You know, because it was so silly that this this coach who'd never coached soccer was coming over to coach in the English Premier League. I mean, it was so yep. it was so fantastical that you thought, what are we doing? This is this is. And then it, some of it started to work in a way where you're like, okay, I know this is, I know this is not real. I know this is fiction. I know this is Hollywood, if you will. But I'll be damned if that doesn't make sense. Yep. That's yep. to me. That was the beauty of it. There, there, there were, there was, there was stuff in there that you're like, you know, gosh, that when you put it that way, it 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 does make a lot of sense. And and um, you wonder how many like coaches that coach other sports watch this and took away from it, going, wow, there's that's a thought. Yeah, I mean, there's 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 so much wisdom in Lasso, man, and then. You know, even some of the humanizing side of of the show, too. And I'm going to talk. I'll talk a little bit about, and I'll totally nerd out on this. And you can tell me, hey, we need to stop talking. And but but talking about the human aspect of the show, you know, you really don't see a lot of people who, when they screw up, will go to someone and say, "Hey, man, I messed up, and it's my fault, and I'm taking I'm taking ownership for the things that I did." And you see a lot of that. In, in that show, that, that hit me pretty hard is, you know, a lot of people, especially in the business world, it's like dog eat dog, man. And people will step on your throat to get what they want. And there was some of that as well, um, you know, in the show, but the humanizing side of it as well of, and I won't spoiler for, I won't hit the spoilers for people who haven't seen it, but, um, but man, that was, that was, that was really compelling and powerful too. And that's why I was talking to Jen about it. I was like, man, you look at some of the female relationship dynamics there too. And, you don't generally see that in pop culture. You generally see females, you know, kind of going at each other's throat or stabbing each other in the back and stuff like that. And that was a really, it was some really interesting character development and dynamics. And I mean, like the, the whole Nate, the great, uh, the character development. I mean, and Roy is obviously my, he's my, one of my favorite character development, um, you know, character arcs or story arcs of the story, uh, of the show. And, and, uh, you know, and like we have a Roy at, you know, at Pinnacle and I've got a Jamie also. <laughs> so it's funny, man. I think, I think people will see, you know, if they look in their businesses, um, that th- these are personalities that are prevalent, you know, everywhere, not just in a British Premier League soccer club. Yeah. The, the, the Roy character, um, <laughs> dude i loved I, I, he was yes probably my favorite non-ted character by the end uh me too man i mean hunter i love roy man i <laughs> absolutely love roy and you know and i kind of see i could see some of myself in roy too uh you know not with um with just some of like my internal anger issues that would crop out and uh you know fortunately and i've said this on our on our podcast before you know i mean i've worked with therapists and, and done other things to, to get some tools of working out the anger. But sometimes, you know, the anger is your tool and it gets stuff done. And, um, but man, Roy is his, uh, his story arc is, was, was flawless. It was absolutely flawless. Yeah, it was, it was really well done. Um, I don't know where they go with in, in season two. I'm, I'm really curious to see what happens. I, I have, I have no no clue whatsoever where I anticipate the storylines going. 
Yeah, it, I'm I'm very interested to see too. And I don't I don't have they I know they're filming right now. They haven't given a release date yet, have they? Not that I've seen. They very well may have, but I have not seen it. I have not seen any and I haven't looked for them either. But I haven't seen any spoilers either as to what some of the plot lines are going to be moving forward. I I, I don't it's going to be year two, so all the newness of his coaching He's going to have to sort of reinvent himself as a coach because the new stuff will get old fast. I mean, I, one of the things I've I've always noticed, it'll be one of the storylines for Ole Miss get it going into year two of Lane Kiffin. Year one is always pretty effective because it's fresh yeah, and it's new and it's kind of exciting and it's so different and you're intrigued. I'm talking about as a player. You know, new coach comes in, you're like, eh, I'll, I'll see what happens. Uh, especially if you were bad before. You're like, hey, he comes in, and it's a new message, got a fresh face, we'll try some new things. But in year two, the the sayings, uh, stuff starts sounding repetitive because humans are repetitive people. Um, it starts sounding repetitive, and you have to kind of continue to reinvent yourself. That's what great coaches do. So I'm curious to see how they let Lasso evolve as a coach and then what happens in his relationships and what happens with um, – you know, with Roy, because Roy's presumably leaving soccer, and and um, I'm I'm cu- yeah. I'm curious to see where we go with some of these people. I am too, man, because you know, like Coach Beard. I bet I bet you Coach Beard has a lot larger role. Um, he is definitely the tactician, the strategist. The, I'm going to call him the brains. Not not taking anything away from Ted. Um, I think Ted is a man manager. So uh, he. I look at him as like a transformational leader type guy. He he can get the best out of people, but quite obviously, and people will realize it if when they watch the show is he knows zero about the actual game. Um, so I'm kind of expecting that Nate and uh, Coach Beard will have a larger part in the next series, and and then and, and winning will be important um, because they need to get promoted, right? So they were whoops, uh, just story. I just killed him. <laughs> A spoiler there. Anyway, maybe most people won't know what that means when they watch. They need they need to win. Yeah, they're in a season where they where winning is important. Winning is is crucial. Yep. Yeah, uh, for business, for for competitiveness, for everything. So I'm I'm yep. I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, it's it's uh, maybe that'll be something we can do. We can have a uh, a Ted Lasso segment where we talk about it and try not to do spoilers at the same time, or <laughs> where we tell people, "Hey, here comes the Ted <laughs> yep. Lasso segment." If you uh, if if you don't want spoilers, don't listen to this. Don't listen. But if you haven't yeah. watched the show, it's really really good. It's worth uh, it's worth the expense of Apple Plus. Um, I, I I loved it. I I was kind of surprised that there was a second season because they did such a good job of wrapping up season one. Yep, me too, man. Me too. And they've and I've already read that there's even season three is in the make, and they say that season three will be the last one. That, that Jason Sudeikis has said there's nothing else after season three. Okay. Well, that's good. That's good. Because I, 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 you can take a season, you can take a series too far and, and, and spoil it. Yeah. Uh, Walking Dead. I never watched that. Should, one. It should have been ended in, it should have ended a long time ago. And then, and then there's like Game of Thrones, which, oh God, I wish Game of Thrones would have just had one more season. But anyway, I digress. All right. Uh, again, my apologies for the shorter podcast today. Totally my fault. I'll own it. Um, one of those one of those things where a phone We're call from Lasso. 
I'm learning from Lasso. I, well, I'm, I, I will give myself this. I, there, if I have, I have lots and lots and lots of flaws. Uh, being willing to own um, mistakes and such is not one of those flaws. I, I'm, I am my very. I respect own, that man. I, I am my that. very own worst critic, and this is completely my fault. Uh, I looked down and I saw the text from Martin going, "Hey, I'm ready," and I was like, "Whoa, my God, it's ten <laughs> I was completely engrossed in a conversation, and uh, sorry, my fault. So uh, we'll leave it there. Uh, again, PinnacleTrust.com, P-I-N-N-Trust.com, PinTrust.com. It's Pinnacle Trust, PinTrust.com. Tell them that you heard about Pinnacle Trust on the podcast. you get 10% off your first year's fees. Until next time, uh, go enjoy Ted Lasso. Try not to stress out about the stock market. Uh, go watch a movie, read a book. Uh, it's going to be okay. Uh, and, and if it's not okay, it's Martin's fault for telling you it was going to be okay. So remember that. Uh, and we'll uh, we'll be back next week with another edition of Mind on My Money. For Martin, I'm Neil. Take care.